the phrase that got thrown around when he hit those 26 tons in that five-year patch was the best since Bradman. Um, and I think he makes a strong case for that. His average is back up over 61 now. Um, he's got a good conversion rate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cricket Central podcast. This is our day two recap of the first test between Australia and the West Indies from Perth. It was a day where 379 runs were scored with loss of just two wickets. The bat once again dominating the ball. My name is Vaship, filling in in the host chair for Ted Wien Jarvis. And joining me is the great man, Ethan Prabhaharan. Prabhs, how are we? Well, thanks. Good to get you back in the hosting chair. It's exciting times for the podcast. Ah, uh, Yes. Good to be back to where it all started. Rightio, it was a day that started with the Australians uh, on two for 293. Smith and, uh, and Marnus Labuschagne would add further 109 runs. Marnus uh, Labuschagne bringing up his second double century, falling soon after on the stroke of lunch. Um, he was bold. Uh, then uh, Smith and, um, and Travis Head come on, put in a partnership of 196 uh, the West Indies again toiling out there in the heat um, before Travis Head um, falling cruelly um, for, for 99-1 short um, of a century. It was a runnable 99 off 95, bowled by Craig Braithwaite. Um, uh, he actually had both the wickets today, which shows, I guess, you a little bit how the uh, how the West Indies bowling lineup um, um, suffered. Um, with that, that was enough for um, Patrick Cummins to declare the innings on four for 598 off some 152.4 overs with Steve Smith not out on 200 again, uh, bringing up a double century of his own. Uh, and the West Indies, none for 74 at the close um, off nine, uh, excuse me, off 25 overs. Um, an early LBW shout reviewed off uh, Chanderpaul. Um, you know, the only you know real major chance. Um, but yes, the West Indies closing the door, uh, closing the day, excuse me, none for 74. That's still trailing the Australians by 524 runs with 10 wickets remaining and three uh, days plays remaining. Um, perhaps, I guess, the main takeaway is dominance for Australia and it was their two stars um, getting it done again with the bat. Yeah, it's great great to see both uh, Labuschagne and Smith in form and really showing their class at, at the international level. I think it's been about 10 years since we had two players make double hundreds in, in, in innings. And I think the thing about Marnus is, he made these runs on the back of a very lean patch in the shield. Um, there are some players who, despite poor domestic form, you back to just ascend to a new level on the international scene. And somehow Marnus is one of those players. And it was a, it was a lovely knock. And he's yeah he's really cemented his mark um, and turned you know a hundred into a really mammoth score. I think it was raised on comms that his last three tons he's fallen below one ten. So it was great for him to. Um, carry on and pass the 200 score and no doubt him and Smithy will really love that. For Steve Smith it was just a case of proving his words. I think he announced before this innings that he felt invincible that he was back, we'd get the Steve Smith of old and uh, if this innings is any indication of what to expect for the rest of the summer then I think the West Indies and South Africans will be quivering in their boots because it was a lovely solid knock of 200 not out. He looked solid and fluid from the get-go um, and it, it it seems almost comical, the fact that he's made technical changes to look almost more conventional and more normal. And it seems that it's it's all paying off and you do have to scratch your head and wonder if he'd been batting like this all, alone, all along. Would we see something 
Bradman-esque or would we have, uh, you know, seen something a bit more normal? And, and that's a, an interesting question to put forward. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have asked for a better um, start to the summer um, for either starting with Marnus Labuschagne. The second double hundred um, had 215 against New Zealand a couple of summers ago at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And then, as you mentioned, um, had scores in the low 100s um, against India, England and Sri Lanka. Um, that, that, that's a massive score. Um, you feel really good about that. And then, uh, as, as you mentioned, Stephen Smith, um, what more could be said, um, reaching his 29th Test century in his fourth double um, had previous doubles all against England, interestingly. So his first double ton, not against England, 2015, 17 and 19, he brought them up. Um, his 29th century puts him fourth all-time uh, level um, with the great Donald Bradman, um, still behind uh, Ricky Ponting, Matthew Hayden and uh, Steve Waugh there. Um, you mentioned that it's been a decade, 2012, last time we had two uh, batsmen score a double century in the same innings. Ricky Ponting and Michael Clark, it was at the Adelaide Oval against India. And I think it's um, fitting that those were the two batters, arguably of that generation in the Australian side. These will be the two batters of this and uh, this current generation. Um, Steve Steve Smith, um, still 33. So a lot of cricket um, left in him. This does beg the question, um, could you call it a lean patch for Smith? I guess um, it's his third now uh, test century in the last three and a half years. Um had 26 in the five playing years before that. That's, of course, uh, excluding the one year he spent out with the suspension. But 26 in five years was a ridiculous amount. There was this talk about him being mortal with th- only three, you know, in the last three and a half years, as you mentioned, um, that technique, you know, readjusted, um, left out of the shorter um, overformed, you know, formats and all that. He's come back. He's made a massive score. Um, I guess I've got a two-part for you. <laughs> Number one, uh, where does he sit currently? Um, I guess, among the upper echelon of, of Australian batters of all times. And um, where does he sit in world cricket at the moment alongside the likes of, you know, um, Root, Coley's always up there, um, Williamson and, and Labuschagne? Yeah, good questions for sure. I think the phrase that got thrown around when he hit those 26 tonnes in that five-year patch was the best since Bradman. Um, and I think he makes a strong case for that. His average is back up over 61 now. Um, he's got a good conversion rate. And I think really what happened in that lean patch was teams started to almost figure out his technique and it was almost limited by it. We saw abnormal fields. Um, it's a shame England couldn't work out something despite their pleas on the various stations and bus stops about how to get Steve Smith out. But I mean, there was a couple of bumpers. Neil Wagner had uh, an interesting bounce ploy um, and teams stopped pretty much bowling normally to Steve Smith's abnormal technique. Um, and it did it did seem for a while that he was, you know, a bit slow to adapt to it all. And there was that lean patch, as you mentioned, without uh, a ton for a while. And in the midst of that, there was a, a, a batsman who was trying to transition to a couple of other formats as well. I think there was a couple of innings against India in, in the one days that strike to me as pretty significant. The fact I think he managed 100 off 65 and 66 balls. So... The focus perhaps was on those those other formats too and, and trying to figure out a, a mindset that was adjustable to all three. But I think now with this technical change, he's got the power back in his own hands and he, he seems to be batting with fluency and channeling the C. Smith vold. Um, I, I, I do have him over the likes of um, Ponting, but I think it, it's hard to match that longevity and it's it's yet to be seen, I guess, if... Teams will figure him out once more and we'll see another perhaps drop. Um, but certainly his numbers currently are 
uh, up there with with the best. And um, you know, it's it's only natural to compare him to someone like a a Bradman. I, I think across the the last few last few years, we've all, also seen drop offs in players like Coley and Williamson to a lesser extent. But so Joe Root's really been the the dominant force in in um, batting. But I think Steve Smith at, at his best is is always has always been the best in the world. Um, I mean, Joe, Joe Root was a, a class act, but I think now that Smith has come out with this 200, I think he's made a strong statement saying he's back at the being the best of the world. Um, he's probably going to have to back it up with a couple more scores to ascend Joe Root, given Root's previous record. But I think peak Steve Smith trumps peak Joe Root. And uh, if this lean patch does subside... I think uh, the English will be fearful coming to the Ashes. Yeah, Joe Root hasn't exactly covered himself in glory, um, you know, in recent times with his uh, low score <laughs> in England's test against Pakistan. I think Pearson would complain that I've managed to find a negative uh, in that batting performance um, from the English. But uh, we'll get on to baseball a little bit later. Um I mean, they're averaging 60 and 57, um, respectively, in Test match cricket, as, as long as Australia has those two, um, you know, at three and four there in the order, they're going to be in safe hands. Would feel extra sweet. Smith hadn't had a big score at Perth Stadium. Now he's got, obviously, a 200. That was his first score of um, even 50 um, at, at, at Perth Stadium. And also against the West Indies, he had a cruel 199 back in 2015 um, on the tour to the West Indies. So now he's got that, um, got that 200 um, under his bed. Travis Head, 99, I mentioned it earlier. Craig Brethwaite got both the wickets today, um, which, again, shows you something about the, um, I guess, the um, desperation or the, the lack of success of the rest of the uh, the bowling lineup. Um, the dismissal, Prabs, I mean, I'm sure one that Travis is going to replay over and over in his head um, for the next, you know, weeks or months, just trying to glide um, a rather straight ball on the stumps through, I guess, kind of through the offside point, backward point, um, probably not the, the sort of shot you'd be looking to play um, with that ball, just play straight. You're on 99 and, um, you know, live to fight the next ball. Yeah, it was a shot of someone on 99, wasn't it? If there was ever a, a batsman trying to manufacture a single, probably from mm -hmm. one that wasn't there, it, it was that shot. I think often you there's an issue of trying to cut it when it's a bit too straight. It's a very common dismissal against the off spinner of, players almost trying to cut it when it's back on the stumps. You're not going to get a lot of turn from Brathwaite either. Um, and I think, yeah, he was just trying to be a bit too cute with it. Um, probably it's a solid block or or even leave there, but he, he's trying to work work for a one um, to get the, the, the quick single. In all fairness, that's how he's played the whole innings with, you know, aggression and intent rather than being laid back um, with, with that high strike rate, as, as you've mentioned. Um, but yeah, it, it is a shame because he it's it's often quite difficult to come out after a, a large partnership and really make some runs. But he, he brought intensity from the get-go. Um would have been good to carry on from his ashes with another ton, but certainly good signs for him and good signs for the flexibility of Australia's team as well. We've got that backbone of the top four and we'll assume some intent um coming from batsman five to seven. Yeah, we talked a lot about um, the Aussies' batting performance, and deservedly so. Moving on to the um, to the Windies and their bowling performance. I know yesterday you questioned the tactics, um, perhaps not aggressive enough, um, sort of willing to, to 
kind of sit back and, and maybe let the Australian bats and get themselves out. Well, they were far too good um, for any of that, apart from obviously that Trevis head um, dismissal, a lot of, you know, uh, defensive fields, players in the boundary, boring cricket, a lot might call it, um, just giving, you know, four or five singles and over. And that was pretty much what happened for most of the day, just ticking it along nicely, the odd boundary for Labashane Smith and head. Um, if they had their time again, um, well, may seem like a bit of an obvious question, but would they rethink those tactics? I think even before tactics, they've probably got to think about selection a little bit. I mean, we've we've criticised England's attack for having a lot of right arm, medium pace, but really Roach, Steele, Holder, Mayers, all bowl quite quite similar. And that aside, the main issue for me is is Roston Chase playing as the the spinner at eight. I think that's a wasted position. He's come up with thirty one overs, none for one hundred and forty, going at four point five runs per over. Um, and, and that's the opposite of what, what you want from your off spinner. You need at least a little bit of control, if not someone to hold up an end and allow a bit of attack from the other end. So I think they, they almost shot themselves in the foot with their selection. Um, and they, they did start bright. It was a, a good sort of first 10, 20 overs with um, Seals taking out Warner early on in the innings. But yeah, you, you did feel a, a gear sort of shift almost to this a bit more defensive bowling they didn't look really like taking a wicket for a large periods of the game. Um, and you're right. I think at, at a certain stage, it just became too easy to hit hit singles and, and the runs will flow in Australia. Uh, and But there just wasn't any control or, or any venom. I think we've portrayed Aldari Joseph as the enforcer, but he's probably not quick enough for that role. He doesn't have a great record in test cricket. So I think the West Indies got serious questions to ask. They're almost limited by the quality of their side on this pitch. But again, their tactics aren't doing themselves any favour. And it did look a very resigned effort this morning as well. Almost waiting for Australia to hit the runs and then giving them a chance to bat. Yeah, and I mean, tough opening innings, not just obviously um, in, in terms of the runs conceded, but the amount of time they were in the field, the amount of overs they had to bowl. Roach, 26 overs, Seals, 21, Joseph, 24, Mays, 15. Jason Holder, who's on the wrong side of 30, 23, Chase, obviously the 31, and Brathwaite was into his 13th over um, when he picked up that uh, that second wicket of head. Hot weather over in Perth. Interesting to see how the conditioning plays out. Obviously, you'd think they'll have a break, possibly break for the rest of the test match, depending on what happens um, with the um, on the batting um, scorecard for the West Indies. Talking of that, we will move um, over to um, the 25 or so overs that the West Indies uh, did face. I mentioned, I believe it was the third or fourth over, the third that Stark bowled, but there was an LBW shout um, on Chanderpool. Uh, Richard Dillingworth gives it not out. Um, umpire's call going over the stumps, just very um, slightly uh, clipping um, the, the top of the off bail. Um, I guess beyond that, uh, what did you make of this performance? Uh, the Aussies batting um, and uh, the Aussies bowling, excuse me, um, and um, the performances of Brathwaite and Chanderpool. I thought it was a, a solid start from the West Indies. What you don't want after hitting or conceding 600 is to capitulate with the bat and get bowled out for 200. Um, I think the openers are probably the backbone of their side, even though the middle order has shown some promise and on occasion has all been shown to stand up and play some quite brilliant knocks. But I think we can expect low strike rate play from Craig Brathwaite. I mean, to me, he looks like someone who... Probably his, his intent is just to bat balls and try and hit 
you know, 30 every 100 or so balls. Uh, his 18 not out of 79 does show that, even though that itself is probably uh, even slow for him. Um, and Tajnarayan Chandapal showed, showed a bit of flair and a bit of intent. I thought he, he was willing to play shots, particularly against the short bowling. Um, and it, it did bring up, I guess, a tactical question for the Aussies. I think Ponting mentioned they, they started full, challenging the pat the bat and uh, getting some play and misses, but uh, a short ball ploy was was quickly sought. Um, and to be fair, even though Tajnarayan went for it, I think it was generally pretty well controlled. So I think Australia have got some questions to ask as well. Cam Green not brought into the attack just yet. So we'll see how workload management looks for him. But, I mean, it was a solid start from the West Indians and they've, they've really set forward the question to Australia. You've got to get us out and it's going to be, you know, 20 hard wickets to get. And I, I think that's a good message to set. It was a shame that we didn't get that sort of message in their fielding innings. But I think if they do show this sort of defiance, particularly Brathwaite, um, Nathan Lyon might have the role holding up an end with attack from the other ends and, the quality spinner might even be the difference between the sides on this bouncy Perth pitch. And Chandapal receiving somewhat of an unwell, uh, an uncomfortable uh, welcome to the Test match uh, arena, getting hit um, in the unmentionables by Josh Hazelwood, left him seemingly uncomfortable, as you might imagine, uh, for a sustained, sustained period of time. But he's still out there. And as you said, going at a rather proactive 47 off 73, as opposed to Brathwaite's 18 off 79. But zero wickets is the key there. You'd agree going... Um, into day three. Talking of day three, you mentioned line holding down and in. And for me, it is it is quite frustrating as a spectator. It's so often the criticism is um, they dropped too short. They were too short of a length. As you said, often start, um, you know, they put the ball up. It's nibbling around um, with the scene that they're getting plays and misses. They're getting edges. And then it's always a temptation to creep short and to, <laughs> I guess it's just uh, something that, that fast bowlers enjoy doing. Um, you know, trying to intimidate and all that and, and setting fields. As you mentioned, we saw it um, with Stephen Smith, with a lot of oppositions going back years and having the leg slip in or having the person deep back, uh, deep back with square leg. Um, do you think we're going to see the Australians persist with that? What would you like to see them do um, in day three? Well, I think these batsmen have looked pretty solid early on. I think early early in the day is the best chance to get, get the wicket and I'd like to see it full and pitched up. I think you'll get these these batsmen nicking off and nicking behind. They, they have shown a tendency to hang the bat probably around the fifth stump line. So I'm, I'm happy with the short ball as a, a variation or as a setup. I don't think that should be the main strategy until later on um, or it shouldn't even be considered till later on. But, yeah, I think nicked behind is, is the main main chance. There might be some sort of you know, pace in the pitch or, or a little bit more movement, but it, it, it's hard to say. There hasn't really been a lot so far. Um, but, yeah, I think just frustrating these these batsmen, even though Brathwaite will look to bat long, um, almost ha- hanging hanging him at an end, building some pressure and nibbling away at that, that good length. Um, really, that's what Hazelwood and Cummins' bread and butter is. So I, I'd rather them go down that avenue and then, use a short ball as a, a secondary measure. And uh, a penny for your thoughts, a, a quick prediction. Where do we end up uh, as stumps on day three? Oh, it's interesting going back to these. I'd like to see uh, the West Indies offer some resistance and maybe end up at about seven for 300. Although 
He's batting we'll out the day of pass. I, I, I think the take seven for 300, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think they're looking at six. Well, they might be optimistic, but I don't think uh, the rational thinker would predict 600 in response. So I, I reckon if, if they can bat out the day and hit, yeah, get to 300, I reckon that, that's a win for the West Indies. Yeah, indeed. I agree. Um, before we go, we have to talk about um, the English Pearson Lynch isn't in there, isn't here to just to you know wax lyrical about this performance. So it's just going to be uh, analytical um, facts at the moment. Um, the first test between Pakistan and England at um, Raral Pindi, excuse me. Um, and at the conclusion of the first day's play, uh, somewhat um, ridiculously, England four wickets down for 506 runs. When I first heard, I was listening to the uh, Australian match on the radio in the car, when I first heard them talking about the speed with which the English were batting, I just presumed it was a one-day international match. Um, that is the sort of flair we were seeing from the English batsmen. Uh, it's a staggering scorecard, perhaps. Looking, just looking at it, Crawley, um, pretty much a runnable 122. Duckett, a runnable 107. Pope, a runnable 108. Have to look at the last time that top three batsmen all uh, scored hundreds in Test match cricket. Um, Joe Root, very disappointing. LBW just for 23. Um, Harry Brock is not out 101 off 81, and Ben Stokes not out 34 off 15, striking it more than more than two runs a ball. Um, oh, Basball alive and well, uh, perhaps. There is a little bit of basball in it, but uh, it, it's almost almost a bit of ugly cricket as well. I think uh, there's there's been plenty of criticism of the pitches uh, in Pakistan. They've been pretty conducive to batting, pretty pretty flat flat decks, um, and really England are just hopefully sending a message to the Pakistani groundsmen to make some proper pitches. I, I think it, it, it's just a, a laughable scorecard, really. Um, plenty of comments can be made about Joe Root here because he's currently the only person who's been dismissed below 107. But it, it is quite phenomenal to think that Australia have dominated the West Indies and hit just under 600 in 152 overs. In less than half of the overs, England are now on 500. Mm. Um, and uh, they've, they've gone at over six runs and over and they've only managed 75 overs in a whole day's worth of cricket presumably because the ball's been smacked around the ground and uh, just dispatched the rope. I, I think it, it's probably still going to be grim tomorrow. I'd keep an eye out on Stokes and Livingston because uh, if there was ever a time that the record for the fastest Test 100 would be broken, uh, it might be these two on, on this pitch. So it could get very, very ugly for Pakistan tomorrow, particularly because England are batting at such a rate we might see a monster score because, um, yeah, I'd, I'd expect Pakistan to reply with a score in excess of 400 or 500 themselves, um, which is really not good for cricket at all. Yeah, good toss to win, you'd say. Yeah, um, <laughs> for It's staggering. It's kind of ironic that people always talking about how we're going to get more people watching test cricket, what's going to make it more exciting. Well, You'd have to say this was pretty exciting, but at the same time, as you've alluded to, people will be criticising um, the way the pitch has been prepared. This isn't Test cricket um, at the heart. You know, the Australian performance perhaps looks more like traditional Test cricket, whether or not that's the way forward. Um, we'll see that 506, by the way, the most runs ever scored on the first day of a Test match, second most runs in in a singular day of Test match cricket ever, um, behind Sri Lanka's 509 against Bangladesh in 2002. 
and those four Centurions, Crawley, Duckett, Pope and Brook, uh, the 24th time a team has scored four centuries in an innings in test match cricket. Two quick things before we go. Um, Crabs, first of all, I did mention that um, we'd just be going with the facts because Pearson can, um, you know, uh, be liable to be a bit loose with the truth. And that's been endorsed by one of his great um, sort of a frat boy college style friends up there at ANU who today shared with us on social media. And I quote, anything Pearson says technically is fake news. Um, I think that's got to be our quote of the day. Um, and before we go, um, little birdie told me you made your long awaited um, return to club cricket at the mighty Blackburn South. You want to tell us about that? Oh, look, it was, uh, I think I mentioned a couple of my lowlights the, the other episode. We were actually playing a, a T20 the other day and I haven't uh, batted once, done no training at all. So I, I'm, I go out to the middle. I think we are probably six down in a T20 in the final, the final over. And we needed five off, five or five to win it. Um, it was a, a tense a tense atmosphere, probably like 8 p.m. at night on a Tuesday, which is when cricket should probably not be played. But I must say, after not batting for about two years, I was in extremely rusty form, and I'm very lucky that the keeper couldn't run us out as we were running bys. I think I ended up on one not out of three, and uh, I was very fortunate that my partner managed to hit the last ball for four, which set up a, a good victory in the first game of the season for us. So uh, it's it's just good good to be playing cricket, really. I mean, you, you forget like this the time you spend out there. You can really enjoy. I mean, you enjoy the little things, the the scenery, the weather, the chat, um, all, all these sorts of things. But I, I reckon that might be a thing that you enjoy maybe in the first couple of games, and you you get sick of it as the season goes on. So cricket has that weird way of making us all hate it by the end of uh end of the season, make us all miss it in in the middle of winter. Yes, well, uh, I'll always remember having the pleasure of being at the non-strikers in uh, when you brought up a century in uh, under-16 junior cricket. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of form to be rekindled there um, as you get back into the groove. Rightio, we'll all be – we'll I will not be back, but I'm sure I'll be seeing you again, perhaps, at some point over the summer um, with our daily test recaps. Uh, but for now, thanks for being with you, and um, you know, we'll see you when we see you. No worries. Thanks for having us on. Rightio, and that's it from us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the day three recap, but uh, at the moment, uh, it's the uh, West Indies none for 74 at the close on day two, still trailing the Australians by 524. Bye for now.